The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome into the Arrowhead Addict Podcast, Thursday edition. Patrick Allen here with you, as always, getting you ready for the Chiefs versus the Patriots as the Kansas City Chiefs look to get back on track after two straight losses. Joining me, of course, is our pal from Sports Illustrated, Matt Verderam. How you doing, man? What's going on? I'm good. I'm good. I'm getting ready for the holidays. I'm excited about that. Um, a lot of travel coming up here in the next few months between holidays and football, but uh Enjoying the last few days of uh, non-chaos, so I feel good about that. Yeah, come February, uh, you and I are basically moving to Las Vegas for a week. Um, that's going to be an interesting time, and hopefully the the Chiefs will be there to to to, to greet us again. Uh, but some not looking as promising as it might have done a few weeks ago. How do you feel about their overall Super Bowl ambitions at this point? How do I feel about them? I mean, I feel like can they catch a pass? Can they line up correctly? Uh, can they stop taking penalties? Uh, if they can do any of those things, they'd, they'd be looking pretty good. They'd look good. I mean, look, here, here's the reality. I mean, the AFC is wide open in the sense that who do you look at and feel like they're infallible? Who do you look at and say that team's definitively better than Kansas City? I don't know. Um, I mean, last time we spoke, it was Sunday, and the Chiefs had just frittered away a game in ridiculous fashion. And then the Dolphins on Monday night said, well, watch this. We can one-up you. Uh, and certainly did so. And so now you're sitting there looking at it. And I, look, I mean, it comes down and, – and, by the way, uh, since Sunday, Justin Herbert is now out for the year. And so you're sitting there going, look, the, the Chiefs' last four games are against Bailey Zappi, Jake Browning, uh, Aiden O'Connell, and Easton Stick. I mean, if you – if they and I know Browning's played well. I get it. If you can't sweep those four games, you might as well give it up. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like, if you're even remotely Super Bowl contending going on four of those games. So we'll see. We'll see. They got to get right. Yeah, they certainly do. We got a great show for you today. We're going to preview this game that we got coming up. The most important game, of course, is the next one, and that's against the New England Patriots and Bailey Zappi. And uh, and this is also the members show. As you know, Arrowhead Addict, we've got an Arrowhead Addict community. You can always check out the link in the description if you want to become a part of it. Um, there's a ton of members. We hang out on the private Discord. We do happy hours. We're in a fantasy football league together. Uh, we watch the Chiefs games together. It's all kinds of great fun stuff, in-person events. And uh, we wanted to highlight a couple of our members today. So we had them submit questions. They're going to appear on the show for some of them for the first time. So we're looking forward to that uh, in just a bit. First, we've got to get to the news and starting with the injuries. Um, Mike Edwards, Leo Chanel, they're sick, did not practices. Usually when that happens at this point during the week, you're okay, depending on what somebody comes down with. 
But is there any concern with you, Matt, where, okay, hey, there's something going around the, the defensive room, and what if somebody comes down with something on Saturday? Uh, do you think this impacts well, or, or these guys show up? Well, Chanel practiced fully today. So he's oh, he did. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So Edwards did not. Um, I would expect they'll play. I mean, I, I don't think that it's, you know, usually when guys are missing practice midweek because they're sick, like they usually play in the game. So, no, not really. I mean, I think Pacheco is probably going to miss the game. But I, look, I got to be honest, it shouldn't matter. Like, and, and that's not because I don't think the Chiefs can lose this game because the Chiefs right now can lose any game they play with all these mistakes. But like, they're not going to lose the game because they don't have Isaiah Pacheco. Like, if they lose that football game, it's going to be because of way deeper issues than him. Um, otherwise, it looks pretty. You know, Donovan Smith. I look, I don't know if Donovan Smith's starting when he comes back anyway. So the Chiefs look like they're getting tranquil back. He's been full practice this week. That's great news. Uh, Chenal will play. It would appear Edwards. I would think would play even though he hasn't practiced yet. Um, my guess is they're probably without Smith and Pacheco. But again. I don't know that it really, you know, Smith, is he getting his job back? I don't know. Pacheco, you'd love to have him back, but you're not going to rush him back, especially based on the uh, quality opponents you have here in the next few weeks. Yeah, and we'll get to this in a little bit, but I don't think this is the team that you want to try to pound the rock against anyway if you're the Kansas City no. Chiefs. So um, it's probably good to rest Pacheco another week. Uh, on the Donovan Smith thing, if he comes back and he's healthy, and if the Chiefs had the inclination to have him, switch positions or if I guess if you just had to choose between Juwan Taylor if they were going to keep Wanya Morris in there if you had to choose between Juwan Taylor and Donovan Smith to play right tackle who would you choose if I choose between Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor to play right tackle yeah I'd I'd have Juwan Taylor play right tackle he is a right tackle Donovan Smith isn't Donovan Smith is going to be gone after this year Juwan Taylor isn't like they've got to work through it they've just got to deal with it I mean look Taylor Taylor can play. The problem with Taylor is like he's not been great when he's blocking, but he's been okay. Like, he's been fine. The problem is the penalties. The penalties are just killing them. And you know, can you get that to stop? Now, to be fair to Juan Taylor, a lot of the penalties were early in the year. A lot of them. I mean, I think he had like ten penalties or something through like three or four games. Yeah. So he's still been taking too many penalties, but it's been better. Um, but yeah, I, I would still rather have Juan Taylor than Donovan Smith. Do you think the NFL would give the Chiefs a special exception if as if as long as Donovan Smith promised to run off the field as soon as the ball was snapped, could Juwan Taylor stand behind him and Donovan Smith could just put his hand in the ground and not move until the ball gets snapped and then run right off the field and then Juwan Taylor can block? You think you think we could work that out? It's worth asking. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth asking. I, I I at least give that a shot. Um, you know, yeah, it's been it's it's always interesting with uh with the Chiefs and, and the way they've played up front this year. I mean, they've not been bad necessarily offensively up front, but like the, the penalties at the tackle spots have been just ridiculous. Yeah, it has been a little rough at times. Great, great comment here from Lauren Shanks. Um, the, this game has the most combined wins by head coaches in NFL history. That's kind of wild, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good call. Um, I guess, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, what the hell? Bill's second, Andy's like fifth or sixth all-time in wins, so I guess it would it would make sense. That is, yeah, it's an interesting stat. A lot of rings, uh, you know, what, eight as head coaches, and then you add in another read that one as an assistant Belichick at two. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking, you know, a couple of full fists there in terms of, uh, you know, Super Bowl rings. Yeah, those guys are doing uh, – they've done all right for themselves. Um, and lastly on the news, and, and I saw some folks in the in – John in the chat was asking about this. Justin Ross is back. 
Um, he was suspended because of a potential domestic violence issue. I believe the charges were dropped there. I think he got diversion, um, uh, has to go do some things and, and meet some requirements. And so the NFL levied a, a six game suspension against him. He, the Chiefs were proactive. Uh, he got put on the exempt list, commissioner's exempt list. He had already served five games. The Bills game was his sixth, so he's eligible to come back and play now. Do you see Justin Ross making any kind of impact for this team this year? I mean, no, not really. Not based off of, you know, early in the year, they barely played him. You know, I mean, it's not like they were playing him 30, 40 snaps a game there before all of a sudden, uh, you know, before he got hurt. or Well, not before he got hurt, before he got suspended. No, I don't. I, I wish he would. Because the rest of this team at receiver is a tire fire outside of Rasheed Rice, but I, I don't think Andy's all of a sudden going to start playing Justin Ross forty snaps game. I just I don't see it happening. Uh, I think he probably goes back to the role he was in, which is a couple snaps here and there, and that's probably about it. Yeah, I think I'm with you. You know, things are a little bit different than when he left. You've gone further into the season, and you've seen that there's just serious, serious problems with this wide receiver group. But I don't know that you fix it by throwing him in the mix and not these guys who have been out there and who have been playing. He has very low experience in the NFL, period. And you're you're getting the emergence of, of Rasheed Rice right now. So he's the one you want to be feeding the ball to, him and Kelsey. After that, maybe you go with a couple more of your reliable guys. <laughs> Try to get Tony involved more, maybe, if you can get him to line up in the right spot. And and Watson, and I think you just you just keep it there. But it does seem like anytime they throw the ball to Skymore, something bad happens. Yeah, well, it's usually not a good thing. It's usually not a big productive play when they throw to Skymore. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I mean, I really think if you wanted to make a statement as a Chiefs, you could make one of these guys inactive every week. You know, some guy doesn't play well and activate him, period. Like, yeah, they're going to get paid. I get it, but it's embarrassing, you know? I mean, I'm not saying, you know, just pick some guy at random. But, like, if somebody goes out and they play like crap, bench him. Make him inactive. Like, send the message. That is probably my biggest problem with them. And, look, I thought they actually adjusted the snap counts of the Bills game. But there hasn't been enough. Like, just, look, if some guy goes out and drops the ball twice, just bench him for the rest of the game. I don't care who it is. Send the message. You know, just sit, yeah. him, sit him. Get be done with it. Like it, you can't. Some guy fumbles. I don't care if it's Rice. You fumble, you sit the rest of the game. You know, learn. Be because you know what, you you have that happen. Stop fumbling the ball. They'll stop. I mean, at some point they'll start to. Hey, hey, if I fumble, I'm sitting the rest of the game. You know, if I go out and drop a pass, I'm sitting a quarter or whatever it is. Like, make a point, make a statement. And maybe look, maybe it doesn't have to be the whole game off of one, or maybe it's a series. You know, maybe I. Make a point of it. If you're not going to play the way you're supposed to play, you're not going to play. You're going to sit there and watch somebody else. And look, you might be a little embarrassed by that. You might lose your job to that. You know, what if, you, what if you're Sky Moore and you got to sit for a drive and they put in Justin Ross and he catches a 60-yard touchdown? Well, guess what? You're not going on the next series either because that guy just had more yardage on one play than you've had in a month. Like, that is the kind of thing that, you know, can – can really jumpstart a team, jumpstart a player, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I'm with you, man. They need accountability, and it doesn't seem like they've had a whole hell of a lot of it, especially after that Bills game. And I think that's a, a conversation that they need to have, not necessarily in the media, but in the locker room about, hey, we've got to be accountable. We're yep. accountable for the results here. We're accountable for the penalties we draw. We need to stop making excuses. 
right. publicly for sure. And definitely it's not going to help us to make excuses here in the locker room. Let's all look in the mirror. And and hopefully, hopefully what happened in that Bills game, even though they looked bad in the media and they they spent most of the week getting trashed and rightfully so for the way that they behaved after oh. the game, hopefully that was a wake-up call to all of them um, once they had a time to cool down. And, you know, Mahomes went on, I think, uh, Carrington's podcast and was like, or show and was like, hey, like, I and I regret saying that. It's not the way I do things. Um, and it's fine. We had, a, we had a great video, by the way. You should check it out. It's called Patrick Mahomes' Dark Side. Um, the, you know, the Chiefs becoming the villain of the NFL. It's on the channel right now. There's a, probably a link in the description or somewhere around here. Um, it, it, you know, and we talked about the parallels between the Chiefs and the original Golden State Warriors dynasty and how you just can't stay the NFL's darlings forever. And uh, the Chiefs, just like the Warriors, um, had a human moment at one point, and, and fans kind of turned on them because they were kind of sick of them. Look, I got news here. That was kind of that moment for the Chiefs. Like the rest of the NFL, the fans, they've they're they've been getting beat by the Chiefs over and over again. They've seen them host Lombardi's, host the draft, win the AFC West every year. They are sick of the Chiefs. They're sick of the Chiefs. Other fans have Chiefs fatigue, Taylor Swift, all this stuff. So don't get worked up as a fan when you see the other fans like complaining and whining about the Chiefs. This was always going to happen. And they'll jump on anything the Chiefs do that's even slightly out of line. To, to, to take them to task. It just I is mean, what it is now. Listen, ask yourself this question. Did you hate the Patriots? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody in this room is probably like, yeah, probably hated the Patriots. Did you hate Tom Brady? Probably hated Tom Brady. You know why I hated him? Because he's great. Yeah. You know you don't hate? The Giants. Because <laughs> nobody cares, right? right? You know, how many how many people do you know that have a disproportionate hatred for the Arizona Cardinals? Right. Yeah. All right. I mean, how much how much hate in your heart do you have, you know, in baseball for the Colorado Rockies? How many people out there are like, you know, I really can't stand the Rockies <laughs> or, right. you know, the A's. Like the A's. How, nobody cares. Well, A's fans. A- A's fans. Yeah, I, I have I, right. I actually that's a good point. I have a disproportionate <laughs> hatred for the A's. Okay. Yeah. But like you don't have a hatred. Like actually, perfect example for this week. You hate the Patriots right now? Nope, because they stink. Yeah. You don't care. There's still guys in that team that won the Super Bowl. Nobody cares. They're terrible. You hate the teams that are keeping you from where you want to go, or if you're a fan of a team that really doesn't have much of a shot to do that, yeah. you just hate the Chiefs because, as you point out, you're tired of hearing about them. I don't blame them. Like if I wasn't if I wasn't a Chiefs fan, I'd hate their guts too. Yeah. You know, if I you know as far as like being a fan of another team, like. They're on TV constantly. They're on commercials all the time. Taylor Swift is up in the box right now looking down at her boyfriend on the field. Like They're on Saturday Night Live. They are every. I wrote a column about this in October for Sports Illustrated. Like It is staggering how all over the place they are. They are everywhere. Everywhere you could possibly be, they are there. That's part of it. You don't want that? Cool. Go back to being the Alex Smith Chiefs. Yeah. Go win 10 games every year, and nobody's going to care about you. You know why? Because you're going to get your doors beat off in a, in, a, in a wild card game or a divisional game. Nobody's going to care. Like yeah. So uh, to me, you have to accept the fact that people are going to celebrate when you lose. Yeah. That's part of it. That's the reality of it. And if you don't want to have that, that's fine. Like I get that that sucks, but then you know what? Then you're probably rooting for the wrong team right now. Like They are what they are. Everybody in the country, when they're playing in the playoffs, is going to want them to lose. That's yep. just the reality of it because people are tired of it. 
And then at the end of when Mahomes is toward the twilight of his career, if he hasn't won in a while, then people want him to win one more time because it'll be like that. People root for the arc, that storyline arc, and that's the way the world is. It's the way society is. It's the way humanity is. But you know who doesn't care about that? The Chiefs. Like yeah. they just want to keep winning, and they have a good shot to if they can stop beating themselves. Yeah, these teams always start as that like plucky little upstart. Like nobody, nobody outside the AFC West had a problem with the Chiefs when they started winning. They were everybody when the Chiefs went up against you know Brady and the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Everybody was rooting for the Chiefs and this new quarterback, and it was fun and it was exciting. But that shine's gone. You know yeah. that shine's gone now. Now Mahomes is is the guy that everybody's got to get past, and that's a good thing for Chiefs fans. Uh, I will tell you that I would much rather have every other fan in the NFL hate our guts and complain and jump on every every mistake that the Chiefs make to make their point about how terrible Mahomes is. On something, yeah. get out of here, man! Like that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just going to go enjoy another another twelve and you know twelve and five season. I, as most people know that have watched the show for long enough, like I am a Devils fan in hockey. They won three Stanley Cups in nine years and went to four finals between 1995 and 2003. And let me tell you, people hated them because, oh, they played conservatively. They played the trap, which was a defensive style that kind of choked off the, the neutral zone in, in hockey. And I used to always laugh. I'm like, you know how many teams play that same scheme? The difference is the Devils have three Hall of Famers on defense slash and net, and you can't score on them. I mean, I got to tell you, people used to sit there all the time and say to me when I was in high school and middle school, how could you watch that? It's so boring. I'm like, you know it's not boring? Winning the Stanley Cup. That's not boring. Well, your team's over there scoring four goals and giving up seven. My team scores three and gives up one, and they win. Like, for the Chiefs, listen, you just go out there. If you're the, if you're the players, the coaches, you do your best. You try to win the games. But as fans, you know, you're always going to get any time the Chiefs win, it's almost like that coping mechanism. Like, oh, it was because of this. It was because of that. It's never just because of the reality. It's just like the Chiefs kicked their ass because they're better than them. I mean, if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year, it's going to be because Mahomes goes out and plays great. The defense plays great. And. It's not going to be because of some call, but like that'll be what, you know. I mean, look, when Osai hit Mahomes out of bounds, that was the most blatant, like two steps out of bounds hit in the world. The yeah. Bengals didn't even complain about it. The Bengals, were like, yeah, it's a penalty. And, and right after it, nobody said anything. And then in the days after, it was like, well, you know, if you look at it through a Zapruder film lens underwater, <laughs> right. Osai actually did kind of start to think about hitting him while he was in bounds. And then he hit him out of bounds. You're like, Bro, he hit him two steps out of bounds, right? Yeah. If that's the other way around, if Chris Jones hits Joe Burrow like that, nobody's making any – it's like, oh, it's a penalty. People are tired of the Chiefs. Fine. If you're the Chiefs, that's what you want because that means you're a really good football team. Yeah, Mahomes is about 20 yards away from the sideline uh, when he landed after that. <laughs> yeah, he got, got killed. Yeah, yeah. it's clearly a penalty. So in this video, I don't know if you got a chance to see it or am I tweeted about it, but what I kind of got to at the end was that – it might not happen this year, but that Golden State Warriors team that that kind of flipped out when they were playing the Cavs, they were up three three to one, and then Draymond got suspended and stepped through his mouthpiece and got ejected, you know, fouled out and stuff. And everybody got, you know, everybody everybody made fun of the Warriors. They lost the, they were sick of the Warriors, and and uh, and then everybody made fun of them all summer for blowing a three one lead. And then what happened is they came back and uh, they won three more championships, two in a row after that. And got Kevin Durant, and then and one more, you know, a couple of years ago. Do you think that? And I, and I contest this in the video. I, I say I think the Chiefs, a, a big storm is coming for the NFL. 
And it might not be this season. The Chiefs, you know, might have some of their issues and they might not get it done this season. But the way that Brett Veach has kind of gone scorched earth when there's been a problem position before and the yep. young talent that's on this team, like the, the Chiefs issues are very, they're easy to fix. They're not, they're bad issues, but they're not like, oh, we're screwed. They're, in theory, they're easy to fix. It should be easy to fix. The, the, the problem is when your receivers basically try to catch the ball at their elbows. Okay. I would say this. The Chiefs have very correctable issues. However, we're 13 games into the season. They're yet to correct any of them. Yeah. And they're not even getting better at correcting them. I do think there are some things when you look at the Chiefs that you can say, hey, you know what? That's a legitimately positive sign. They are clearly starting to rely on this trio when healthy of Pacheco, Kelsey, and Rice. They've stopped rotating these receivers like evenly. Now it's like, okay, Rice is clearly getting the number one snaps. And then I think it's like a Watson. And then after that, it's a little bit of Tony. And, and while that's not perfect, in my opinion, that's probably where they ought to be at. I think also they've leaned into run the ball a little bit more. And defensively, I, I mean, I, I don't know what you could have asked of them in that Buffalo game. I mean, they, they started out slow, but they were phenomenal the last three quarters of that game. I mean, they had 20 points. They held the Bills to four and a half yards per play. I mean, you can't ask for any more than that. The big question for me in the playoffs is just going to be, look, how many times they turn the ball over? I, they're going to drop some passes. They just are. Their receivers aren't any good. I, I've come to terms with that. Can they stop turning the ball over? Can they stop doing it? If they stop turning the ball over, I think even with the other things, they'll still win. The turnovers are just killing them. They're just killing them. I mean, it's more possessions for the other team. It's obviously fewer for you. You're not getting any points out of those drives. A lot of times you're flipping field position. Like, if they did the exact same things everywhere else, good and bad, but just stop turning the ball over, I don't think they'd lose another game this year. I really don't. But the turnovers have just been ever-present all year long. And I think for the Chiefs fans that have kind of already given up on the season and think that there's no way that – it's going to get any better. Some things are, aren't fixable this season. But remember, this is a continuum. How much better is Rasheed Rice now than he was when the season started in September? He's much better. He's much improved. By the time these guys get to this point in the year, they're basically NFL veterans. And yes. Rasheed yeah. Rice is, is, is an ascending asset. I think Isaiah Pacheco is still an ascending asset. Kelsey's the only asset that you have that's on a slight decline, but I think I think much is too much has been made about the, the people talking about Kelsey's decline. I know he maybe doesn't look quite as spry out there, but but the man's the man's a little banged up. He's got eighty he, catches. Right. Yeah. He's he's. I mean, Jesus, he's got, he's on decline. He's gonna have a hundred catches yeah. and twelve hundred yards. Yeah. He's been yeah. triple teamed all season. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it looks like every time the guy goes to run a route. There's three guys basically lined up like punt gunners. Right. I, unless, unless, of course, it's the Chargers, in which case, then you don't even know he exists until he has 200 yards. Yeah. But, no, I mean, I don't think Kelsey's maybe had the explosiveness. The guy's still going to have 100 receptions and well over, I mean, a minimum like 1,100 yards, probably closer to 1,200. Like, I'm sorry. I can't get worked up about that. I just can't do it. Like, yeah. He, Pacheco, and Rice. Now, Rice has got to hold on to the ball a little bit better. But beyond that, like, those guys aren't your problems. The rest of those guys are your problems. It would, and, and take McKinnon out of that because McKinnon's been fine. But, like, the rest of these guys, I mean, the, I don't have the stats in front of me. Does MVS, does he have 300 yards this season? Jeez, I don't think so. 
I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure Richard can pull that for the us. The guy um, has played like a starter in terms yeah. of snaps all year. I, I, I'll look it up right now. I'll save Richard the time. I mean, does he have 300? He has 295. 295. Yeah. Not like, even. 295. <laughs> Noah Gray has 246. He's never on the field. He, he gets he gets like three targets a game. Noah Gray. You know. I, I mean, you know how you know how bad it is. Like, okay, so for just just for. Point of reference, okay? Rasheed Rice this year, do you know how many catches he has? Is it like 60? Very close. It's 59, okay? Okay. He's been targeted 75 times. He has 59 receptions, right? So if you throw the ball at him, damn good chance he's going to catch it. Kelsey has 103 targets. He has 80 receptions, right? So like you're talking like 80%. You know, MBS has been targeted 37 times. He has 19 catches. I mean, Justin Watson, 40 targets, 21 catches. Sky Moore, 38 targets, 21 catches. See, like, Kadarius Tony for all his issues, he's caught 30, like, he has 34 targets. He's caught 25 of them. I mean, and the rest of them hit him in the hands. And the, and the rest of them literally hit him in his face occasionally. <laughs> right. Isaiah Pacheco, 38 targets, 33 catches. Then you're running back. You're going to catch most of your targets as a back. I get it. But my point is, like, do you know how impossibly bad it is? 50%? I mean, that's with Mahomes, it's not like Kenny Pickett's throwing you the ball and the ball might be high or what. Like, you're the best quarterback alive throwing you the ball and you're 50%. Okay. Yeah. MBS has one touchdown catch this year. Noah Gray has two. Like, man's never on the field. Rice is leading the team. He's got six. Rasheed Rice has more touchdowns than the entire rest of the receiver room put together. Yep. I, sta it's staggering how bad the rest of these guys have been. And by the way, I don't know if you saw the clip. I think Aaron Ladd, give him credit, he tweeted out, of Justin Watson saying, hey, you know, we've been spending more time in the receiver's room this you know, this week. We've hunker yeah. You know, I'm paraphrasing. I'm hunkering down. You know, we're watching more film. What? Like – I know the intent of this statement, so I'm not crushing Justin Watson. Like, I get he's saying that, hey, we're, we're redoubling our efforts. Like, I get it. <laughs> like, you're watching more film? I, I got questions. Like, was Die Hard on the previous week? Like, were you guys like, you know what? Listen, it's the holidays. We could watch Die Hard, or we could watch film from the previous week and get a route combination. But you're like, yeah, Die Hard. Yeah. And, then, and then this week, you're like, yeah, listen, after that last week, probably put Die Hard on the shelf for a week. Like I, I know what he means, but I saw that clip and I, I was like, "That's not going to go over particularly well, right or wrong. It's not going to. It's not going to sit well with the fan base." I'm actually really concerned that they're watching more film because if they're watching film of themselves, I'm worried that their performance is going to drop off even worse because they're not going to get any sleep due to all the nightmares they're going to be having. Maybe that's why Mike Edwards didn't. He's just say maybe he saw the film. He got a preview. <laughs> he's man he's so been, sick he couldn't practice. He's been throwing up since he watched the film. You know. Um, yeah. It's it's bad. It's bad. Um, if they if they win the Super Bowl with this receiving group, they should put Mahomes in the Hall of Fame the second he wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Just I mean, th this would – I'd have to look, and God knows I love my history, so I'll do it. This would have to be the worst receiving room to ever win a Super Bowl. Has to be. I mean, this is brutal. Other than, other than Rice, who maybe would save it, maybe there's some other team that, like, didn't have a guy of the quality or she Rice. I mean – 
There's no, and I'm not talking the amount of yardage because I'm sure you find some team like the '70s that have like no yardage just based on the way they played. I'm talking the quality of player. Yeah. It's got to be the worst. I mean, it has to be if they win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I I saw this. Uh, I didn't watch the clip, but I I saw somebody had Deshaun Jackson on a, a podcast, and he was like, "I'll I'll come play for you." Adams. Yeah, it was K. And um, I saw somebody in the chat mention it as well. Now he's like 57 years old, but. When last we saw That's him, bring him in. He got hands. Yeah. When last we saw him, he could still burn. He could still run a straight line route down the field really fast, and he can catch. Yes. <laughs> if if you had the option of of uh, if you needed somebody to run twenty wind spritz a game, would you rather have him or MVS right now? Oh, hey, listen. So last year, he played for the Ravens. He had seven cat. Excuse me. He had nine catches in seven games for 153 yards. That's pretty much MVS. Like that's, yeah. that's the pace we're looking at right there. Like the year prior to that, when he played 16 games between the Rams and the Raiders, he had 454 yards. Like that's not good, but it's not MVS. Like it's as Stacy says, he would take Clifford Franklin. First of all, hilarious movie. Second of all, yes, as would I. I mean these. This has reached a point with him seriously, and I'm not just picking on him. I sky more too, like both of them. It's so bad. I would do anything but put them on the field. Anything. Richie James, Justin Ross, go more two tight ends. I'd go split back. I'd go back like old school 1995, you know, Madden 95. Here comes Daryl Johnston and Emmett Smith, right? Like McKinnon yeah. and Pacheco. Here it comes. Like I would do that. I would. I, I'm dead serious. I would do that before I put those guys out there. I mean, it is, it is impossible watching those two guys play football. And I would imagine, like, Mahomes is going to stand up there and he's going to take up for these guys. You have to imagine behind closed doors, he's ready. He's ready to commit a crime. Like, it, you know what his numbers would look like if they could catch the ball this year? Yeah, yeah. He'd be leading the league in passing yardage. They can't catch anything. It's rough. It's rough. Um- that's enough hammering them. Let's get to um, let's get to our our members section. Uh, so so we're gonna cue that up, Richard. First up is gonna be our guy Jeremy, uh, and he's got a question for us. So let's hand it over to Jeremy. Hey guys, with all the hoopla about the Chiefs receivers and offense this season, I wanted to ask, what's kind of your guys' outlook on team building, long term, short term, whatever it is. We've seen this team with a really good offense and a mid to mediocre defense. It worked. We've seen it the opposite way, I'd say, with a Super Bowl. But now we're seeing the offense struggle. So are you guys always in favor of giving Mahomes weapons and building the super offense and living with what the defense is or vice versa? Or how do you guys feel? Thanks. Bye. Shout out to Jeremy. Long time. Aerohadatic member and, and supporter of our show. We really appreciate you, man. Uh, why don't you take it, Vertoram? What do you think? Yeah, no, Jeremy's a man. Also a super follower. So he's really, I mean, he's doing it all. The man is yeah. everywhere. Kudos yeah. to Jeremy. Yeah, you know, it's just one of those questions, really. You can take a lot of different directions. I would say personally, I, I'm a big believer in Mahomes cannot elevate the defense. He can elevate the offense. So, like, I, I don't mind the approach they took. However, I think what we're learning this year is they have to have a higher floor. Like it does, I don't know necessarily that they've got to have a bunch of superstars at receiver. It doesn't hurt. But like, for an example, this offseason, okay? If you just said to me, okay, listen, whatever you you know, you've got you gotta work within the constraints of the cap, but like if you want to resign a player, they'll resign. 
I would do whatever I could to keep Tranquil and Gay or Jerry Sneed. I'd probably accept the fact they can't keep Jones. But like I would try really hard to keep that defense together as much as possible. And then offensively, like I know a lot of people are like T. Higgins. I, I wouldn't I, go like I would draft a receiver in the first round. I would. But then I, I'd sign a floor raiser, like a T. I, and I've mentioned this when I do my super chats and stuff on Twitter, like Tyler Boyd. To me, he's an example of a guy. He's like a juju years ago, right? Like a guy who I know, he's going to come in and give you seven or 800 yards. And I don't need to worry that he's going to drop 100 passes every year. Like I know that guy's going to come in and he's going to do his job. Like the guy that I, and I'm not bagging on him, I'm just using him kind of as, as an example of this guy. Like Gabe Davis can be super talented and he can be really good, but he can also disappear for a month. I'd rather have the guy that consistently gives me 50 yards a game. Like, I just know that guy is going to catch three or four balls. He's going to give me 50, 60 yards. And, like, we're good. That's all I need you to do. They still have Rice. They have Kelsey. Like, I I think if you're the Chiefs, you build out by adding a a young upper echelon prospect-type receiver first round and then give me a good, solid veteran. Give me like I love Mike Evans, but I don't think they're going to go after him because he's over thirty and and he's going to be expensive. You know, we mentioned them at the trade deadline, like Darnell Mooney, like a guy who I just I know what I'm getting, who's not going to cost a fortune. And then I would add in the draft, and I try to keep the defense together. Yeah, I think. Look, this might be somewhat controversial. I actually think, for the most part, Brett Veach approached this team build perfectly. He built an uh, absolutely dominant defense that started to come on at, la- at the end of last year with the young guys, and it's why they won the Super Bowl. He knows he has to build a cheap team. Um, the offense was the best in the league last year with mostly the same guys. They lost Juju. Um, and so I think what he's tried to do is build a young, affordable team that yeah. gives him flexibility and he's definitely put an emphasis on defense because for years he watched Mahomes light it up. And it was just, you were always like, can this defense hold these guys under like 24 points and we're going to yeah. win where it went wrong. I don't think it was the approach. I think it was the execution. If he hit on Sky Moore, if Sky Moore was at least as good as Rasheed Rice right now, this team might be undefeated. Um, and that's that's where they fell. That's where they fell short in my eyes. Is they got Sky Moore, they invested in young receiver, they invested in Rasheed Rice, and they believed Sky Moore was going to be that guy, and he's not. And that was a catastrophic failure. And then it was compounded by the fact that they saw him for a year and misevaluated him again. And then at the trade deadline, I know they had limited flexibility. Right, they did. But yeah. believed everything would would kind of sort itself out. And so we, we're, that's where it gets into inexcusable category, inexcusable category that I know our guy Stacy out there has 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 been hammering for for weeks now, and so I think the learning experience is it was a small but somewhat catastrophic error that you made, and you've got to make sure that even though you want to go young, you have the veteran talent, and of course, the MVS thing. He thought MVS was going to be the guy he was last year. And he wasn't. He fell off a cliff. So um, I don't think there was a huge error in the approach, but I, I think the execution, unfortunately, fell drastically short. Yeah. I mean, look, when you're paying some of the guys that you are paying, which you're happy to pay those guys, like Kelsey and Tooney and uh, obviously Mahomes and Jones, um, you're going to have to try to kind of do the old draft and development in a lot of other places. 
And I think you got to give Veach a lot of credit for it. They've been amazing at that. And they've been as good as anybody in football the last five years. They have drafted. I mean, my God, they got Isaiah Pacheco and Jalen Watson in the seventh round. I mean, you got teams that would take that in the third round, second round. They drafted those guys in the seventh round. So they've been amazing with stuff like that. But they thought that Tony and Moore would become really big contributors for them. And they invested heavily in the defense. And look, the return on the defense has been great. The return on the defense is exactly what you'd want. The problem is they believe that they're – I know Tony didn't draft them, but they traded for a young player. The draft and development would be really good there, and it hasn't been. And you're left with this group. And look, I don't blame Beach for MVS. I think everybody in the world thought he'd come back to the same guy. I mean, he's not that old. It's not like he's like 34 years old. He fell off a cliff. I mean, so, look, I think, too, sometimes – you know, as if you're a fan, you get you get angry, you get annoyed. Sometimes you just got to say, "Hey, look, man, Fred Beach is a great GM." Like it happens. I mean, it just happens. Like it's just they nailed every other part of the roster. They really did. I mean, what other part of this? Then you want to argue about the tackles? That's fine. Although if they drafted Juan Nay Morris and he turns out well, I think you're pretty happy with that. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know that you can kill him. Like I don't know that you can look at them. I mean, look at some of the signings this offseason: Edwards and Tranquil and Amenahu, Right? I mean. They, you know, Rasheed Rice, I mean, say whatever you want. Their draft looks like it's going to be really good again. Like, yeah. they nailed a lot of it. The problem is that it's so glaring. And also, it's got to be said, Jawan Taylor, to this point, has not played up to expectation. I wouldn't say he's been a complete disaster, but he's not been what they expected him to be. Not and for the so, contract. Right, not for the contract. Not for the contract. Yeah. So, you know, look, the good news is that contract, you can get out of it early if you want to. But right now, yeah. That contract has not been good. I would also say, though, you know what? Every GM in the league, every single one of them, you're going to have some swings and misses. You just are. I mean, and for my money, Veach and Howie Roseman are the two best GMs in the sport. The Eagles can't stop anybody from throwing the ball. Yeah. I mean, Roseman drafts like quick. Well, it's, it happens. I mean, it's just – it's frustrating, but it happens. I don't think – to me, bad GMing is when you just don't acknowledge – a problem, or you keep drafting the same type of guy who keeps failing. They haven't done that. They just they've relied on their draft and development, which has been great almost everywhere else in the team to work at receiver. It has not outside of Rasheed Rice. Yeah, it's just uh it just it's it's been unfortunate. A few misses there. Um, but I think you know, get ready because there's gonna be all kinds of new names. I think the Chiefs need to start drafting wide receivers a little bit like they do defensive backs. Like they're always taking defensive backs every year. And I think with Mahomes, that needs to be that they can't have a draft. Maybe as long as they've got enough picks where they just take one receiver, like take some more flyers on these, these mid to late round guys. Cause sometimes they, they pay off and you get yourself a Tyler Boyd and, uh, and, and you make it better at drafting receivers as well. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's no doubt. Um, as we're talking, I, I always check Twitter to make sure I'm not missing anything. Literally looked at it. I see the video of MVS dropping a touchdown against Philly. Um, look, I do think that this offseason, if you know anything about Veach's history, like let, let's put it this way. They're not coming into training camp with this group of receivers. Okay, I can promise you that. Now, who they're going to bring in, we'll find out. But they and, and Samuel's asking, uh, Cap hit if we cut MVS, they would eat $2 million next year. They would save $12 million. I am going to save you the suspense, Samuel. They are going to cut Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Yeah. Um, but no, I think, you know, they've drafted three second-round receivers in recent years of each. I mean, Hardman, Rice, Moore. Moore has been a complete bust. Rice looks like a great pick. 
And I, I, you know what, Hardman, Hardman to me was like an okay pick. I know some people go, how could you? Look, he was there for two Super Bowls. He was a very good returner for him. He ha- he averaged almost 600 yards a year as a receiver. Like, great pick, no. Decent pick, yeah. I think it's a decent pick. So, you know, late second round pick, I can live with that pick. So, but I'm with you, though. Like, next year, if I'm the Chiefs, I'm drafting a receiver in the first round, and I'm and I'm probably drafting another one in the top 150. Like, yeah. fourth round, fifth round. I'm taking another guy. And you know, who cares? If he doesn't work out, fine. If he works out, all the better. Absolutely. All right, let's get to our next question. Uh, a festive one from our guy, Darren. Yo, Merry Christmas, Kingdom, Arrowhead Addicts. Standing here by the Christmas tree. Got all my KC stuff on the tree. Anybody got a favorite ornament they uh, put up every year? I got a few. That's a great uh, tree. I have to say my favorite is Mr. Jamal Charles. The close second to Mr. Tony Gonzalez. Got quite a few, uh, quite a few Patty Mahomes. This is great. Taking over the whole tree, baby. Let me know. Y'all got anything special on your tree? Peace. You know, we gotta get we gotta get Darren an arrowhead addict ornament. You guys really have dropped the ball. Yeah, we, we really have. Um, that's great. I I've never seen somebody dedicate their whole tree to the Chiefs before. No, that's fantastic. That's good. Yeah, this this fan base is a bunch of maniacs. So I know that he, I know Darren's not the only one. Um, and I I'm really a little bit disappointed in myself for not pushing for this with my wife. I need to know, does Darren? Do you keep if you're in the chat right now? Do you keep that tree up like until the season's over? Oh, that's a good, yeah. Like, does that tree, and if they win the Super Bowl, does that thing step to, like, May? (laughs) (laughs) Like, all the needles have fallen off. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. That Super Bowl tree. Super Bowl tree, I love it. Um, I do have have a a Chiefs ornament that somebody gave me a long time ago. Um, And I, I, this is all the way back to when I lived in New York City, when I didn't even have a tree. I brought this with me, and I, you know, I'd use it to decorate my tiny little apartment. Uh, and it's 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 Santa Claus, but it's it's a chief Santa Claus. He's got the you know the arrowhead there, and he's standing there. Nice. Um, and I get him out every year, Santa chief, and put him up there. And he uh, one year he fell off the tree and he lost a hand. So he uh, he's he's, he's probably, now a receiver for the Chiefs. He's now a receiver for the Chiefs. Um, probably could still play a little bit better than some of the guys we got right now. Uh, but that's that's my Chiefs uh, my Chiefs ornament. What, what about you, Verterim? You got any Chiefs stuff on your tree? Yeah, I had a Chiefs ornament gifted to me all the time. It always goes right up in the middle of the tree on the front. Um, when I was a kid, uh, my parents they always got a tree, a new tree every year. They went out cutting down the tree farm, and, and we would uh, we had a couple different sports themed ornaments. But I do remember there was a Chiefs ornament that as a kid always. I don't know why, just I remember it very vividly. It always meant a lot to me. And my, but they still have. It. They still put it on their tree every year. Um, I, I mean, my favorite holiday is Christmas. And I think part of the reason is like, I just equate it to like good memories as a kid. Like it's that time of year when, yeah, the weather's cold. But for me, when the weather was cold, that meant like, you know, the, the pond is going to freeze and you could play hockey. And it also meant football and NFL primetime as a kid and like sitting down and watching all the games. And so, um, yeah, my parents, they, they do and did have this Chiefs ornament they still have. And uh, yeah, we have one on the tree, and it's it's cool. It's Our, our family, um, specifically my wife, has a tradition where she tries to, like, every time we go somewhere, she gets an ornament from that place. Yeah. And so like, now we have one of, like, we have, like, an Alcatraz ornament. Not which is, you know, interesting. Yeah. Um, 
I, we have an ornament that is a actual dumpster fire that just says 2020 on it for COVID. Yeah. Um, so like we have like our like our ornaments tell the story of our lives and like where we've been in recent years. So it's kind of, it's it's fun. It's a it's a good time. That Alcatraz ornament's basically a Raiders ornament. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's a home stadium. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I will say that if you've never been to Alcatraz, it is it is cool. It is yeah. kind of kind of creepy in some way, but it's uh it's neat. It's a neat place. Unless you were an inmate there, that'd probably really suck. But it was pretty cool to go visit. Yeah, I'd love to check it out. You know, we only had a real tree one time in my entire life. And my dad had such a problem with it because the tree stand kept, it kept falling over. And <laughs> I, my dad didn't, he didn't curse a lot. But when he was setting up that tree for the first time, I learned a lot of new words I didn't know before because he was down under there trying to get that thing and it kept falling over, falling over. Finally, he thought he had it. We decorated the whole tree. You know, it was like that for for like a week or so. And then uh, one day it actually fell on me. I was sitting there eating some eating some dinner. My parents were out shopping. That tree started to fall and I was in high school. I, you know, I jumped up to get it and I stuck my hand out. But the, the limbs were too long before I could get my hand to the trunk. Right the stabbed in the face. Yeah. I went down. Trees on top of me. My dad comes home. It's just still laying there like I couldn't put it back up. And uh, he just cursed and he went down in the basement and he came back up with his drill and like three inch long screws and literally just screwed that tree stand into the floor. <laughs> after that. And we did, we never got another tree, another real tree again. That was it. That's funny. We, it fell maybe once or twice when I was a kid. I mean, you come out of your room in the morning and like, it didn't make a lot of noise when it fell. Cause we had carpet as a kid. So like it yeah. would just fall in the car. You'd come out like the water would be all over the place from like the tree stand all the way. Ah, son of a, you know? So but my parents still, they always get it. I, when I moved to Chicago, I was like, I have to get a tree, like, but I'm not going to be able to, you know, I'm not going to be able to get a real tree in Chicago. Like, what the hell am I going to do? Yeah. So I bought, I went to Sears and I bought a tree. And think it was, I mean, I don't mind saying it. it was like a $400 tree. It, was like, it, it rotates. It's got like a foot pedal for all the different lights. And um, I bought it and I was like, great. Now I just got to get it home. It's like three miles. And I didn't have a car. So it dawned on me. I'm like, well, shit, how the hell am I going to get this thing home? Yeah, I was I was flagging down cabs, and uh, we made our work. Still got it. Still the one <laughs> in my house. Is Richard, by the way, in the chat's telling us so we're forty minutes, six minutes in. We haven't yeah. even talked about the Chiefs Patriots game, probably because it's just too painful. Right, right. right. But yeah. we'll get. There. Thank we you. We won't need too long to do that one. And, and shout out to Rick for his joke: the MVS ornament can't hang onto the tree. Um, brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, all right, one more one more question to get to uh, okay. for for the member show here. Uh, from uh, uh, lost my play. Oh, from Justin. So uh, roll it, Richard. Good evening. My question for you all is: Do you think it was really a good idea to turn this team into a defensive first team, given what we've seen in the past with the Chiefs' success with an outstanding offense and a mediocre defense? Wouldn't it have made more sense to continue investing in the offense, knowing that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid can win that way, as opposed to completely flipping the tables and having a you know stellar defense with a mediocre offense? I think it makes more sense to do what we know works, um, which is to have an offense that is lights out and focus less on the defense, because we know Mahomes can overcome that deficit. We don't know if he can overcome the deficit of having a mediocre offense. Thank you all. Thank you, man. We really appreciate your support. Uh, 
Well, we're going to find out, aren't we? Um, what do you think, Vertoram? Do, do, do you like this this dominant defense? I, I mean, I do like the dominant defense. Man, it makes a good point. Um, I I think that if you said to me that this would be the path going forward, like they would be like this on offense all the time, then I'd say, Justin, I'm with you. Like, you just can't hamstring Mahomes like this. So, I, I, in that sense, yes. But I think you can kind of have the best of both worlds. Like, they just have to get him a receiver. I mean, they just have to get a receiver – because I'll say, I will say this, man. If they ever could add like an upper echelon receiver to this team, they might not lose. I mean, yeah. they, they would almost be impossible to beat. I like the fact that they invested in the defense from the standpoint that I thought, why'd they lose to the Bengals in 2021? Right. I mean, their defense was just a wreck. Dan Sorensen and Ben Neem and all these guys, they had to reset. And I think in the two years where they've won the Super Bowl, those defenses by the end of the year have been really good. They maybe weren't good the whole year, but by the end of the year, they were good. But to Justin's point, I I do think that balance is better than what this has been. Now, I think they were trying to have balance. I don't think they in, intentionally were like, hey, our defense is going to be great. Our offense is going to suck. I think there was a thought like the defense could be really good and the offense is going to be good and we'll be, we'll be a fantastic team. But yes, I think in a perfect world, you have this elite offense married to like a a defense that is a good defense. And I think this year it's just, it's so happened that, hey, the defense went in a great direction. The offense, not so much. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think with a few small tweaks, we could all be very, very happy very, very soon. And hopefully this year. Um, all right, let's uh, thank you to our members. Uh, again, if you want to become, if you want to appear on the show in that way uh, or support us in any other way, check out the link in the description and consider becoming an Arrowhead Addict member. All right, let's get to this game. Not a ton to talk about here. Um, the Chiefs are struggling a little bit, but the Patriots are awful. Casey's eight and five. Patriots are three and ten. Three and ten uh, under Belichick. It's unbelievable. This yep. line started out higher, I think, closer to ten, but now uh, it's down to seven and a half. Chiefs favorite, and over under a thirty-seven in a game with Patrick Mahomes. But I think that's more about how absolutely putrid the, the Patriots' offense is than the, than the Chiefs. Um, does anybody scare you, Vertoram, on this Patriots offense? Anybody at all? No. No. Um, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson hasn't practiced all week. I don't know if he's going to go. If he doesn't go, I mean, this is this is probably the least scary offense in the NFL. I mean, even the Cardinals, you could sit there and go, oh, you know, James Conner or Hollywood Brown or whatever. You know, Trey McBride's been really good. Yeah. The Patriots have nobody. Like, Absolutely. If Stevenson doesn't play, you have no Stevenson. You have no Kendrick Bourne who's off the earth in the injury. I mean, this is a team that genuinely you look at them and go, I, I just, I mean, if the Chiefs don't turn the ball over, they can't score. I mean, I, I'm not saying I think the Chiefs are going to shut them out. I do think the Chiefs keep in the single digits in the game. I do. Um, I mean, Zappy. Is he better than Mac Jones? I mean, he's completing 55% of his passes. Jones is completing 65%. Jones is averaging 6.1 yards per attempt. Zappi's averaging 5.9. Mac Jones had 10 touchdowns and 12 picks. Zappi's at three and three. Like, I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, the same guy with a different name, I mean, you know, but like less accurate. Elliot Ezekiel Elliott this year is running for 3.7 yards per carry. I mean, he's he's at this point in the back end of his career. I, I like their rookie, Demario Douglas. He's got 410 yards, but he leads a team. He has no touchdowns. 
After that, man, you're talking Hunter Henry, 353 yards, Devontae Parker, 264, Juju, 260. I mean, this is just – this is a bad offense. This is a really bad offense. An offense that, frankly, like – I'm not predicting the Chiefs shut him out. Wouldn't be stunned either. Like, wouldn't – I mean, I, I I could see this being a game Chiefs went like 23 or 3. I mean, I, I could also see it being a game that's 13-13 going to the fourth quarter because the Chiefs have four turnovers. But, yeah, they, they can't score. I mean, New England has no offense. Yeah, I mean, just for they get they score thirteen points a game. They give up twenty. Um, they beat the Jets fifteen to ten. They somehow beat the Bills twenty nine to twenty five. Um, and when the Bills were struggling, and then they they beat Pittsburgh last week twenty one to eighteen in a game that Pittsburgh just Pittsburgh's in a mess as well. Um, yep. So look, when it comes to this team, it's Belichick. Defense is its strength. Uh, particularly at Stop. I mean, we talked earlier about maybe the Chiefs didn't want to pound the rock against these guys. They only uh, allow like 3.2 yards per carry. So, yeah, if, if, if you're the Mahomes, if you're Mahomes and the Chiefs, is it, hey, let's get back on track, let's get the ball to – you know that there's going to be a fortress around Kelsey in this game because it's Belichick. Yes. Um, who are you throwing the ball to? Rasheed Rice getting 20 targets in this one? 30, 40. It's like that. It's like that video, and I'm not being political. Like of Kavanaugh, I think it is right. When they're like he's more or higher, he's a higher, higher. Like that's the answer with Rasheed Rice, right? Like just, how many targets? Higher. I, I think. Yeah, it, it's it's got to be. You know, as you point out, like this is going to be a game where Kelsey's going to get doubled and triple teams this game. It's just coming. I mean, they're they're going to do that. Um. I would think, yeah. I mean, this is going to have to be a game where you try to get the ball to Rice, try to get the ball. You know, McKinnon's playing. Assuming he's playing, try to get the ball to McKinnon. Um, you know, maybe you get Watson going a little bit. You know, I tell you what, Tony. Like this is one of these. Maybe the first play of the game, you throw him a bubble screen and just get his head right and get him in the game. Like, but yeah, I think it should be a lot of that. It's going to be a lot of. That. I mean, you know, try to motion Kelsey, get him so he's not doubled all the time because it's going to. It is going to be. It is going to be a lot of just doubling Kelsey and trying to shut off the run. I don't think the Chiefs are scoring a ton of points in this football game. I mean, I, do I think, you know, look, they, they could? Yeah, there are ways they could. But based on the way this team has looked on offense, I could see this being a very, very ugly football game. Well, that's what that's all Belichick has in this one is to try to make it as ugly as possible. And and, 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 and we don't often talk about this element on the podcast, although sometimes it comes up. But I think in this one – uh, look, beware of special teams when it comes to Belichick. Um, he, he's he used to be a special teams coach. They do some stuff. They they're really good at finding tendencies. Remember, they ran that play where they where they had the 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 guy come running in in motion and block uh, block a field goal, um, block punts. Belichick's going to throw everything he can at the Chiefs on on special teams, and if the Chiefs aren't ready for it. You could end up with a block punt because that's what he's going to need to turn the tide in a game like this is to, is to take points off the board from the Chiefs and turn the ball over. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, look, if you're New England, you're you're doing everything in this game, right? Like you're you're pulling out all the stops. Because I will say this, I don't see a whole lot of scenarios here where New England's just driving 12 plays, 75 yards punch in this game. It's just not going to happen. Like they're not they're not they're not talented enough. I mean, the reality of it is, like, even if they play well by their standards, they're just not talented enough to do that. 
this is going to be a whole lot of like field position and playing that style of just slow it down and bleed the game out. You know, but I, look, this is also the kind of game with the Chiefs. I'm not even necessarily worried about like what the scores, other than the fact that we got to win the game. Stop turning the ball over. Stop taking a million penalties. Like, go out and play a clean football game. Have, you know, three or four penalties, zero turnovers. That's how you win that game. That's how you, like, you just don't beat yourself. They don't beat themselves to win this game. The way they lose this game, the way this game becomes really scary is if they're just turnover palooza for four quarters and they have three big plays called back and they, you know, they, they give up some kind of a big return or something. That's how you lose this game. They're not going to lose this game if they don't beat themselves. There is no world where New England is just heads up beating them. They're just not good enough. Yeah. The Chiefs, you know, it can't be a Denver game. We have five turnovers. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so what's your your is that your absolute key to this game? Is don't turn the ball over and you win? Uh, that is literally my only key to this game. Yeah. Like don't beat yourselves. Don't just hand over a bunch of points. You know, this is one of those games if you're Mahomes. And even though it's frustrating, it's third and 10, you're at your own 30. Maybe you try to, you know, in, in the past, maybe you try to gun the ball in there to some guy in tight coverage. Don't, don't do it, man. Just throw it out of bit, throw it away, chuck it down, whatever, play it safe, and punt the ball. Like make New England have to go 70, 80 yards. They're not going to do it maybe more than once in the game. Like, they're just not. They're not talented enough. Like, this, this, these, in fact, really. These next four games, the potential exclusion of the Bengals here, the, all these games should be played the same way. Can't beat yourself in these games. I mean, I'm, look, they're not going to lose to Aiden O'Connell and Easton Stick and Bailey Zappi if they don't beat themselves. They're not. They're too good defensively. These teams are playing for nothing. Like, that's the one thing you also factor into this time of year. If you can get up on these teams, some of these teams are just going to fold. Like they don't care. They're done. They're not playing for anything. New England's eliminated. The Raiders will, will be by probably this time next week. Chargers will certainly be. Like they're not playing for anything. They'll just fold. But if you get into these games where you give them life and you let them get up 10, and then it turns into, hey, what the hell? We can win this game. Then you got a problem. Yeah, I'm with you. Don't beat yourself in this one. Um, and you you're you're you're, you're gonna be fine. This is this is not a good football team you're playing. They do they can do some things well, but there's a reason they're three and ten, and that two of the three teams that they built that they beat this year have major quarterback issues and offensive issues. So right. uh, you're you're going to be fine if you're the Chiefs in this one. All right, um, let's get to our final score predictions. Sound off in the chat. Let us know what you think. I'm going to kick us off on this one, Verderam. I do not agree with you. I, I am Good. concerned about the about the Patriots defense, but I think the Chiefs are going to absolutely beat the brakes off this team. After two losses, and I have never seen Patrick Mahomes even close to that angry. That dude is not losing another football game, and I don't even think it's going to be close. I don't care how good the Patriots defense is. I think Mahomes, he'll run. He'll do whatever he needs to do. He's going to get this offense going, and I also think this Chiefs defense – is going to overwhelm Bailey Zappi. Belichick's probably out of tricks as far as he's concerned. He They had a couple early drives against the Steelers, who also have a good defense. And after that, they really couldn't do anything on offense. I think it's the same thing here. If the Chiefs defense weathers that first drive or two from the Patriots, good night. 
Um, and I think some of the points from the Chiefs could very well come from defensive scores in this one. I got Kansas City getting getting back on track in a big way, 31 to 13. Okay. Well, we agree on the Pats score. Yeah. I think the Pats will have 13. I think the Chiefs will have 20. And mm-hmm. I but I will say this. I think that it'll be a backdoor cover by New England. I think it's gonna be like 20 to six with like two minutes left. Like I I don't think it's gonna be a game you're sweating with five minutes to go. I think they will handle. I just got to see him do it on offense. I mean, they just, there's such a tire fire on offense. I need to see it out of them. I will say, well, I am picking a 20 to 13. I could also see a world where, you know, the Chiefs just, as you point out, maybe get a defensive score or something and they win this thing like 34 to three. Like, I could also see him doing that. But, you know, right now, I just, I got to see him do it. So I do think they'll win. I don't think you're going to be having a heart attack all afternoon, but I'll say 20 to, 20 to 13 with a backdoor cover by knowing And look, I see Stacy in the chat saying it's not Mahomes I'm worried about. It's the FedEx drivers masquerading as his receiver room that scares me. Look, man, I'm sorry. That's a little bit insulting. FedEx drivers always deliver. So, you know, comparing those guys to the wide receiver room, not not fair. Um, all right, real quick before we go, Patty's power rankings. Burham, give me your top three Christmas carols or Christmas songs. What are your go-tos? Oh, well, the first one's easy for me. I'm trying to think. I'm going working backwards here. Um, you know, all right. So I'm going to go number three. I'll say Jingle Bells. It just puts me in a good mood. And I just learned how to play it on the piano. So I'm rolling with that. Oh, nice. Um, that's right. I'm taking piano lessons. I'm a man of culture. Wow. wow. Um, that's right. That's right. And nobody in the chat saw that coming. Um, <laughs> I didn't believe me. Neither did I. Um, thought I started taking piano lessons. So what the hell? So that's number three. Always like Silent Night. It's like when somebody can really sing that. It's just a beautiful song. So I'll go with that, number two. And then it goes back to my childhood and watching this movie every year with my father, but uh, White Christmas. The movie oh. was, the, the song was written like up the street from my house, literally growing up. Um, so that song always had kind of special meaning to me. Um, I love that song. Uh, Bing Crosby, when he sings that, uh, it, it feels like Christmas. So. I'll go with those three. I feel you. Uh, good, good, good list. I'm going to go with uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer at number three. Absolute classic. Fun for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, I got to go. I'm a big Silent Night guy, too. Yeah, just, great song. Just a great song. Uh, and then number one for me is I'll Be Home for Christmas. Okay. Uh, as somebody who, and, and, and I know you're, you, you've, you've experienced as well, as well, as somebody who grew up in Northeast Ohio and whose family still lives there and who's lived in, Western Pennsylvania and New York City and Chicago uh, always brings a little bit of a tear to my eye to hear that song. Think about being home because I'm not always home for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, it's a great one. I think it really captures the the idea of the season um, and the you know the, the 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 connections that we have wanting to be with our family, whether we actually can be physically or not. Yeah, no, that's well said. And I, I think, by the way, number like 874 on the list is any Elvis Christmas song. Oh yeah, oh yeah. People who play that should be convicted of a felony. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and the man, my God, like all those recordings are clearly like at the end of his career and it's just a disaster. Like yeah. just have some, have some dignity, have some respect for the, for the King and just, just, just torch all those CDs. Like it's, yeah. it's not good. The love of God make it stop. The old clips of Elvis at the end in Vegas. Oh, overweight. He had sweating profusely before he even starts singing. Like, yeah, and he would—he was wiping 
wiping the sweat with the scars and just handing them to, to women in the crowd. Uh, it, was, it was a rough look, man. It was man. The seventies was a wild time. Yeah, yeah, it sure was. Um, all right, everybody, thank you. This has been a great show. Again, a special shout out to our members for their support. It really means the world to us, and we hope to do more of these uh, these opportunities for y'all in the future. Again, if you're interested, check out the link in the description. Make sure you go check out our, our video about the Chiefs becoming the villains of the NFL. It's right here on the channel. It premiered last night. Shout out to Matt Verderan. Make sure you check out his work over at Sports Illustrated. And, of course, producer Richard for making this whole thing run. We will be back this weekend with our regular pregame, halftime, and postgame show. But until then, as always, go Chiefs.